we live in our head, right? We are trying to solve problems. We're trying to be rational and fix things. And it's all, it's all logical, rational, and it's not emotional. And when you can drop into your body, then you can more, more accurately or more easily connect with your emotional state. I'm Sarah Raymond, and you are listening to the Lifestylist Podcast. Here we go, rocking and rolling with another episode of the Lifestylist Podcast, The Power of Hypnosis and Guided Meditation with Sarah Raymond. This is episode 399, man. We are teetering on episode 400. I promise to keep the hits coming. Thank you so much for joining me. You can find show notes for this very episode at lukestory.com slash mindfulmovement. Today's guest, Sarah Raymond, is a trained hypnotherapist, Pilates yoga and meditation teacher, as well as founder of the Mindful Movement. She's become an oasis for those looking to tap into their inner calm, develop a positive mindset, and heal from the stress that's blocking life's fulfillment. She's discovered, and we talk about the fact that simply knowing what you want isn't enough, and has committed her life to helping others break free from their inner turmoil that is keeping them stuck. So we're going to get unstuck today, guys. This was a really fun interview. We made our way through so many practices of inner peace and healing that I'm sure you're going to walk away with some very practical tips for going deeper within. Here's what we cover. First, the hypnotherapy session that Sarah and I concluded just before recording, and that was in itself a pretty incredible experience to say the least. We also talk about Sarah's path to becoming a hypnotherapist and some of its many benefits, her relationship with meditation and how it led her to create the incredible and really huge online community called The Mindful Movement and how she navigates running a successful business with her husband, Les, which I find really interesting. Uh, I think as more online entrepreneurs emerge and we can do it from home, we, we might want to try and do that with our partner, and they seem to have figured it out. We also explore yoga nidra and the important connection between movement and meditation. Oftentimes we think about meditation as something being very physically still. Well, she's going to dispel that or at least expand that for you. And we talk about how you can use her many meditations to overcome stress and anxiety, even as a complete beginner. In fact, uh, leading up to this episode, I did a number of her short eight, 10 minute meditations, and I actually really enjoyed them. So it was fun to uh, kind of get inside the mind of the person that created them. We also cover common misconceptions about meditation that might keep many people from finding their practice and the truth about using hypnosis to overcome bad habits and even addictions how hypnosis can help with sleep disorders, unhealed trauma, and physical pain. And finally, how her important work has impacted the lives of her and Les's children and their family life and so much more. If this here episode inspires you, as I trust it will, you can book a session with Sarah at themindfulmovement.com, and I gotta tell you, I highly recommend it. Hypnosis is a powerful way to expand your life and vision, and has proven itself to be beneficial not only for me, but for thousands of other people worldwide. So again, if you want to check out Sarah's work yourself, you can do so at themindfulmovement.com. And with all of that being said, let's take a deep breath together, shall we? I don't think I've ever done this before, but let's just do it. I feel called. Ready? Inhale. And exhale. It's incredible what a moment of breath and presence can do for you. 
take that presence and join me in this inspiring conversation with Sarah Raymond. Sarah, well, what a day it's been for us. Yeah, it's been a day. I don't think any, I've gotten to know people more than we, than I've gotten to know you today, (laughs) but I have to say like with just meeting someone, I don't think I've ever had someone get to know me at such depth as we did today prior to this recording. So for those listening, um, one of the many things our guest Sarah does is hypnosis. And so we just emerged out of me laying on the studio couch <laughs> there and going into the quantum ethers in the most fantastic way. So yeah. I'm going to do my best to come back to earth and <laughs> be a proper podcast host. Uh, but thank you so much for for coming by today. And thank yeah. you for that experience. It was incredible. Well, and it was my pleasure. And thank you for your willingness to trust me, you know, not having ever met me. You, like you said, you did share a lot with me and, um, you know, you're willing to be open and vulnerable. And I really appreciate that. And I think that that allowed the process to really unfold in a, um, a beautiful way. So thank you. Yeah, me too. It did occur to me at certain points. I was like, I just met her. (laughs) Like, I'm telling her all kinds of intimate details about my, my self-perceived limitations and, you know, things like that. But, uh, but I'm also kind of a, you know, transparent person also. Well, generally when people come to see me, they might not know me personally, but they have listened to a a recording that I've created or, you know, even some people will say, oh, I I feel like you're my best friend. Like I've listened to your voice in my ear dozens and dozens of times. So, you know, you had a little bit of a different experience. (laughs) I also actually, you know what, that probably was the case with me too, because over the past week, knowing that I was leading up to this interview, I've I've listened to a number of your guided meditations. I actually did one this morning. Yeah. I found a a longer one. Some of them, I think it was on your podcast. Mm. Um, And some of them are like eight minutes, 10 Mm -hmm. minutes. I've done a couple of those. So today I was like scrolling to find a longer one, because usually I like to do about 20 minutes and and I found it. It was awesome. Yeah. Great. Well, I'm glad. Yeah, so I've had a lot of you today. <laughs> okay, so um, let's just, ju- I, I want to jump into the hypnotherapy thing, yeah. really, because even though I've done a bit of it in my life and it's definitely um, benefited me, mm-hmm. crazily enough, I've not yet done a podcast about it. Oh. Yeah, which is super cool. And I'm excited about that because I yeah. think it's such a useful tool for people. Um, so how did you first get into hypnosis? Where'd you hear about it? What did you have to do to learn how to do the witchy stuff that you just did with me? (laughs) Well, the first like introduction to it was through my mom. She actually used hypnosis, um, you know, many years ago when I was a kid to quit smoking and it was extremely effective for her. And, um, then she used it again in some of her weight loss journey and, uh, so I kind of just assume like that was something that people did. They go to see a hypnotherapist or a hypno- hypnotist and they, you know, are able to successfully make changes or quit habits that they don't want anymore. Um, so I kind of always have been a believer, I guess, just by by default because she was a believer. Uh, and then really, I personally found meditation and hypnosis in my uh, early 30s, I guess it was, um, when I needed to, I guess I wanted to understand myself a little bit better. Um, I was a 
fairly young mom. I had my first child at 22 and uh, she was a surprise. And I was like, oh, I'm a mom, (laughs) you know. Um, And I wouldn't change that for the world. That was one of my greatest life lessons and experiences for sure. Um, But I didn't have like my 20s to like figure out who I was and figure out what was important to me and use those values um, to make decisions. I just kind of did whatever I needed to do to be a parent, be a wife, be a, you know, a a business owner um, without really understanding uh, who I was. So, you know, when all my friends were like going out to bars and finding themselves, I was at home as a mom. And then came my thirties and I was like, oh, now I have some time to like really explore me. Um, at that point, my children were a little older and like they didn't need my attention all the time. Uh, so when I started to really want to get to know myself and understand like what was important to me and um, where I wanted my life to go, that's when I discovered hypnosis and meditation. And for me, hypnosis, uh, I found to be not more effective, but more accessible because it was giving me something to do while in a meditative state. Whereas when I first started meditating, I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, I don't know. I don't understand this, you know, and I just wanted to do something. So hypnosis, because it felt like more goal oriented or more like I was actually doing something, it felt more accessible to me. Um, and that's not necessarily the case anymore. I definitely practice meditation um, and I get a lot of value out of it. But initially I was like, you want me to sit still for how long <laughs> and like just be? I don't understand. You know, that was really hard that's, for me. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense, actually. And it's funny because when we did our session today, um, uh, and this wouldn't have been true when I first started meditating, but I've meditated for a really long time yeah. out of necessity, not virtue. You know, I'm not like bragging about my meditation practice, but it yeah. really was life-saving for me. But I found in our session that I just at times wanted to just stay in that mm-hmm. sort of theta zoned out, half awake, half asleep state. And I had the opposite. I was like, oh, she asked me another question, <laughs> you know, and then... I'd have to summon the subconscious and and participate, yeah. right? And so I was kind of like, I mean, it was fine, but it was the opposite experience of that. I was like, no, yeah. I just want to meditate. You but, were pretty pretty mellow. Yeah, but we, chill. we had some work to do. Yeah, uh, With your mom introducing you uh, in her desire to overcome smoking and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, losing some weight and such, uh, was your mom like a new agey hippie kind of person? Uh, no, I don't. I wouldn't categor- categorize her that way. I think that um, I think that she has always been very open, open-minded and willing to do things to help herself. You, you know, maybe other people in her generation, um, maybe I'm stereotyping a little bit, but there there's sort of like a generation of um, people who just want to take a pill, right? Like just go to the doctor, get their advice, get the pharmaceutical, and then that'll be the the way to solve the problem. Whereas she has always been very open-minded to try different things like hypnosis. And I mean, this is like 
early 80s when she was trying hypnosis for the first time. So, um, you know, it was a long time ago. It wasn't like it wasn't popular at that point, but she was willing to try it and uh, it worked for her. Um, And she's, you know, she's willing to learn new things and explore um, different routes, different avenues to help herself. Um, And she's just, I guess, always in that way. Yeah, that's that's cool. So the yeah. smoking bit worked for her though, huh? It did, yeah. I mean, she smoked through my pregnancy, <laughs> my older brother, and then between myself and my younger brother, she was like, "Okay, I need to I need to be done with this." And so wow. she she quit, yeah. And remember, hasn't had a cigarette since. I'm going to remember that cuz I did manage to quit smoking years ago, but I find I use nicotine uh very habitually now. So yeah. I might be I might be ringing you up for another session. Yeah. I keep telling myself when we move in our house, <laughs> then like I, I it's like this narrative i have with myself i need it right now to just mm-hmm. take the edge off and then once we move in the house i'm gonna quit you know but yeah. now we're getting very close to that and i'm kind of like i don't know if i want to quit this is yeah. nice <laughs> so i i might be hitting you up on that yeah. have you ever heard of anyone having success with um with nail biting um i have not personally worked with anyone but i do believe that um one of the people i trained with shared a story about a someone a young a young person like a child i do believe yeah yeah i have that yeah. disgusting habit sometimes <laughs> and i'm really really not happy about it. i'm ashamed of it interestingly enough oh. when i used to smoke cigarettes when i was a kid i bit my nails just yeah. just nervous uh, you know personality i guess and then when i smoked cigarettes for forever then I never bit you my nails. Something then, else to do with your hands. Yeah, and then when I quit smoking, I started biting my nails. Yeah. And then I had like a relapse of smoking uh, some many years ago. And then I quit biting my nails. And then mm. when I quit smoking again for real, the, yeah. the final time. We're going to take a quick break to share with you one of the most unique and effective products in my health arsenal. It's also one that I've been using for a very long time, over the past decade at least. It's called Oceans Alive from Activation Products. It's a premium brand of two specially cultivated, hand-selected marine phytoplankton strains grown in a photobioreactor. The nutrient density of this microalgae is insane. It's loaded with a wide array of vitamins, minerals, essential fatty acids, and amino acids. Oceans Alive is the purest, most potent marine phytoplankton supplement in the world. It's fresh, totally raw, and pure. They use a scientifically proven natural method of stabilization that doesn't require any heat, cold, freeze-drying, or any processing at all. My experience with Oceans Alive is a very noticeable feeling of untapped energy and focus. It's naturally packed with nutrients that boost your health in a multitude of ways. Its natural antioxidant content reduces oxidative stress, which is why this is my number one air travel companion. It also promotes healthy cellular growth and development and also boosts cognitive function. Activation Products has been one of my go-to companies for a very long time. They have a no BS approach and are all about giving people definitive information, the best quality raw material, then letting you decide for yourself. They just provide you with the knowledge and the most innovative products so you can take the lead in creating your own life equity and longevity. You can swoop up some of this Oceans Alive over at activationproducts.com and use the code LUKE15 for 15% off any product. That's activationproducts.com and the code LUKE is a one-time use, so use it wisely. So you spent your 20s kind of being a mom and Mm -hmm. so you didn't get that 
period of self-discovery, mm-hmm. which by the way, I had my whole twenties to discover myself <laughs> and did jack shit with it, except destroy myself. But um, I find many people that really commit to a yoga practice, mm-hmm. like I know you have in meditation or something like uh, mm-hmm. hypnosis, they have some sort of, you know, um, pain to purpose, rock bottom mm. desperation that is the impetus for them to find discipline. Cause you know, these practices want to hypnosis, but meditation definitely takes discipline yeah. uh, in order for them to pursue it with, you know, uh, effectiveness and, mm-hmm. and consistency. Did you have anything going on in your life that was motivating you or was it really just like, Hey, I, feel like I'd like to get to know myself a little better. Yeah. You know, I don't have a rock bottom story really. Um, I, I was the yoga teacher that would avoid the meditation aspect. I, I was like non-spiritual, you know, it made me actually very uncomfortable in a way. Um, so I avoided that at like all costs. I, I really, only when I wanted to like understand myself better did I recognize that I already had the tools. I already had the knowledge. I just needed to do it. Right. I think I've always been sort of a, um, someone who loves to teach and that's my, my avenue to learn. It's, it sounds a little backwards. Oh, I totally understand that. <laughs> but like for me to really understand a, a concept or an idea, I need to go as far as being able to teach it, to embody it. And so I think that teaching yoga for like five, I think I taught for about five years before I was like, oh, what's this meditation thing about? <laughs> Like I just, I just wanted to do the movement and I've always been a very like athletic person. I played sports when I was younger and that was an avenue for me to, um, like explore myself as a younger person. Um, and so when I started teaching yoga, I was like, I'm just going to do it for the, the workout, the exercise. And, um, I just didn't, I didn't feel comfortable with like even Shavasana, you know, as a teacher, I would be like, okay, well, I have to do this. So I'll give everyone two minutes and then we're going to, you know, get out of here. It just really felt like uncomfortable. It felt like religion to me. And that's always been something that it just wasn't in my life as a kid. Um, And so like the, the idea that I was going to have religion in my yoga class was very uncomfortable. So I just, <laughs> I just avoided it. That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. I mean, I know now that that's yeah. not really what it is, but. For sure. Yeah. Know. When I, when I first started doing yoga, I think it was like probably at a gym and it was, mm-hmm. well, I should be flexible, you know? Right. And then I found a studio. It was called Dancing Shiva in LA with this guy, Moss Vidal, who's actually was one of my first guests. And he's, mm an Ayurvedic practitioner. He's a very serious about his Hatha yoga mm-hmm. practice, you know, and his whole perspective, which really, I think changed my relationship to yoga was that the physical postures serve one purpose and one purpose alone. And that is for you to become present enough and fluid enough in your body so that mm-hmm. after the physical movement stops, you can sit and meditate. Right. Right? I was like, Oh, cause I was already meditating at that point, but I never kind of married physical movement with mm. that 
mindfulness aspect, yeah. but it started to really click because man, after his classes were grueling, just super hard, not like power yoga, but just mm-hmm. demanded a lot of attention and discipline yeah. for you to hold the postures. And there was, you know, headstands and handstands and all these things where you really had to be present. And, um, God damn it. I could meditate pretty damn <laughs> right. well after that, you know, and I was able to yeah. see, oh, he's really tapped into the ancient technology of yeah. this yoga um, in a profound way. And it, it did help me to adopt my meditation practice to be able to, um, you know, ignore those impulses of the body to be fidgety mm-hmm. and restless or yeah. to sit there and go, what am I doing? I'm supposed to be doing something, you know? <laughs> um, so going from that it's pretty crazy to me you know just doing some research on you the you've got a youtube channel with like 660 something thousand subscribers Mm. um you've got this robust website with like seemingly an endless treasure trove of content i mean i'm on there trying to research and i'm like oh finding my topics zillions of videos blog posts so much going on um how did your YouTube channel and and the site and the business you now have, how did that um, come to be? Definitely an evolution. Uh, so it's been about five years since I published the first YouTube video. And that was um, upon suggestion from my son, who at the time was like 10 or 11. Uh, and I really wasn't trying to like start a YouTube channel with the intention to like get all these subscribers. I I really just was looking for an avenue to take recordings and share them with, at the time, some Pilates instructors that I was training and working with. Um, And I just didn't have the like technological understanding of like Dropbox or any other, you know, web share program. So my son said, you just need to put it on YouTube. And I'm like, okay, well, how do I do that? And, you know, kids are like super fast with technology. He's like, you just do this, 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 this. I'm like, okay, stop, slow it down. Like really teach me what I'm supposed to be doing here. Um, And it was the most simplistic version of um, iMovie. And it was literally an, an audio clip that became a video that I published. And so I shared it out with the people that I wanted to share it with. And then somehow other people started finding the videos and listening to them. And I'm like, what, what is this YouTube thing? And how do I like actually use it? Um, so I had to learn how to use YouTube and um, figure out how to uh, like grow an audience. And so I did. And like over the years, it just, it grew Um, And actually, when I started the YouTube channel, what I really wanted to do was have a podcast where I was interviewing people and learning from them. Um, But I quickly realized that I couldn't do both of those things at the same time. I had uh, at the time and still do, I own a Pilates and yoga studio in Maryland. And so I couldn't do all the things. Like I couldn't be the mom and the wife and the the business owner and the podcast host and the YouTube. Uh, so I had to pick. And, you know, I I found it really kind of fascinating the the like business or the the almost like it was a game or the st- strategy behind YouTube. So I went down that rabbit hole and learned a lot and 
here I am today with that's a crazy that's a crazy amount of <laughs> of audience members. It is. Like, you know, it is looking at like the views on your stuff, and then I don't know. You just have so many different. As I said, so many different. I know you focused on YouTube, mm-hmm. but in I love it when I can like research someone to interview them, <laughs> and there's just and it's actually too much content yeah. for me to even zero in on. So you've done a great job of doing that. Um, and also in looking at your site, you've got the mindful movement community, mm-hmm. um, which I don't have access to, but what, <laughs> what goes on in there? You know, how have you turned something that was just like a, a viewer watching you and, and, uh, Les's work, your husband Les, yeah. versus like the interaction and that sense mm. of community? Because I think that's something that's really important for people that are taking on a new, I don't know, a new framework of, um, of thinking and feeling Mm -hmm. and working on themselves in terms of mindfulness meditation. And oftentimes people sort of get lost in the fray because it's just them and their own self-discipline to do it or lack thereof. And I think the community is a hugely important part of that. Sure. So I'm curious, um, how that's developed and what does that entail for you guys? Yeah. Well, you know, the saying is, and I'm probably going to butcher this, but, um, you know, you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. So when you want to make changes in your lifestyle, you find people that are already doing it or that are on the same path as you and you build a community, you know, you, you gain support and, um, you're held accountable and, you can learn from each other and, you know, help, help each other along the way. So that's kind of the, the intention behind it. Um, we originally started with a Facebook group, which, you know, you can kind of curate your social media feed to be positive, to be, you know, the content that nourishes you and doesn't stress you out and make you compare yourself to other people or, you know, you could have social media that detracts from your life. And we were trying to create a community where there were like-minded people and you were, you were gaining support and accountability. And um, it, it just the Facebook group wasn't really the community that we had hoped, the interaction that we were looking for. Um, so we took all of our content and put it into a a membership platform where there can be more curated interaction among people that, you know, all practice meditation and yoga and um, want, want the same things and the support where you're not going to like have these polarized conversations going on that you might like on social media. (laughs) Totally. I have a Facebook group. Um, It's funny. I kind of forgot about it for a second but it's the Lifestyleist Podcast Facebook group. And mm-hmm. last I checked, there was, I think, like 6,000 people in there or something. Mm-hmm. But, but um, and I'll dip in there and answer questions. And when I do solo shows, I'll, I'll take questions from the group and then answer yeah. them on the podcast. But um, I have noticed, especially after the COVID fiasco happened, mm-hmm. that it's very heated in there. You know, I go in, I'm like, whoa, off topic kind of, but yeah. you know, it's, it's it, it is difficult. It's, it would be very time consuming to really curate and, as someone who's very anti-censorship also mm-hmm. to go in and tell people what they can and can't say also right. is weird. It's kind of a double-edged sword there. Yeah. I'm like, screw censorship <laughs> unless I don't like what you're saying, you know? So, but then it's my group. I don't know. It's confusing, but yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's super smart. Have you noticed yeah. with your online community, 
that it's had more engagement since people went into lockdown and had less of an opportunity to actually gather in person and hang out at a yoga class or a group meditation class or something? Yeah, I mean, everything, the YouTube channel itself grew like crazy amounts over 2020. Um, yeah, everything that we're, we're doing really has been kind of, I don't want to say like skyrocketing, but it's definitely um, grown more than I think it would have pre pre 2020. Yeah. I think it's also useful for people that, um, are geographically situated somewhere where they have a difficult time finding community. I have a Mm -hmm. lot of people that reach out to me on social media and they're like, you guys are having so much fun in Austin or wherever, (laughs) you know, it's like, where do I find people like that? And I'm always kind of stumped. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, find a yoga studio, breathwork class, meditation, and someone will say, well, you know, I live in Kansas city or wherever, you know, and they're like, we don't have that. So I think, um, I think that online community is really valuable for people that, you know, live in more rural areas or just in a um, kind of less progressive town or city or something. Yeah. I do think that, you know, one of the blessings of, of 2020 and beyond has been that people are more willing to engage in online Uh, communities, online interaction. I mean, we've kind of had to, you know, we've had like, my family has had, you know, birthday parties for, for the young people in the, in the group of uh, over zoom, you know, and it's like, I'm sorry that your three-year-old, your, you know, three-year-old birthday is over zoom, but it's better than nothing. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so brutal. Yeah. We had one wake in my family in the beginning mm. of this thing like that. It was, I mean, you know, thank God we're able to do it, but still it was kind yeah. of, it was awkward. Um, <laughs> I'm curious and I'm, I I'm, don't want to tease the audience. I am going to really get into hypnosis <laughs> stuff here, but I just like to get to know people and what makes you click. Um, so you work with your husband less and mm-hmm. you guys have a podcast, the mm-hmm. mindful movement podcast. Yep. And he's the host, like I'm the host of this show, where he does interviews with all kinds of incredible people. You said he just interviewed Krishna Das, which yeah. is one I can't wait to hear. <laughs> um, but you guys work together. and We do. Obstensively have a business together. How has that impacted your relationship? Has it been something that you've had to learn how to do and do right? Or is it easy going all the time or what? Um, it's definitely not easy going all the time. Uh, d- there's definitely been a learning process. Um, but I think it's it's enabled us to grow together. Um, as I said, I was 22 when we got married and he was, um, yeah, 22. And so he was 25. Um, I should know those, those numbers. But uh, we were like babies and we had to grow up a lot when we got married and had kids. And, um, and then that kind of like just evened out, you know, you, you get into a routine and a, a, like a habitual way with your, with your marriage and your partnership. And then when we um, started working together, there was a whole new layer of like communication that was necessary. And it really pushed us, I think, to, um, to work work we're working together but work on ourselves separately so that we could work together as a partnership um and like all of my own issues around finances and his own issues around finances just really came to the surface in a big way when we had to manage business finances together um so i would say that that is 
probably the biggest area of growth that we've both experienced. Which um, one of you is the, the more frugal and conservative in that regard? Um, that's a good question. Um, it seems to me that's a common, with yeah. business partners of all types, right? You have the spendy one, which should be me. And then you have, um, you know, the more frugal, conservative, you know, uh, prudent, well, prudent person in the, in the operation. I think in our business finances, it's a little different than in our personal finances. Um, I tend to be more like frugal in personal finances, but then when it comes to business, like if, if let's say I wanted to be redeveloping the website and I found a company that I like trusted and fell in love with their services, I would be really quick to just say, okay, do it, you know, whatever, five grand, 10 grand, whatever it is, let's do it. And he is like always playing devil's advocate. Like, do you really need that? Do you, do you want to spend that much money? (laughs) And I'm like, well, are you telling me that I'm making a bad decision or are you just asking all the questions that you didn't know if I considered, you know, and that's a, a big repeating conversation in our, in our business relationship. Right. Cause I'm like, let's just do it. If you were lucky enough to hear episode 389 with Dr. Chris Wrench, you'll understand how important mitochondria is to your energy levels and overall health. So I'm always looking for ways to upgrade my mitochondria and age as slowly as possible through supplements and biohacks. My latest obsession in this category is something called MitoPure, a breakthrough postbiotic that activates your body's natural defense against aging and assists in mitophagy or the clearing out of old bogus mitochondria. It's the first product to offer a precise dose of a compound derived from pomegranate called urolithin A, which is a truly groundbreaking discovery. In fact, MitoPure is the result of over 10 years of research by scientists at the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology. You can get your daily dose of 500 milligrams of MitoPure by using the berry powder, which I add to my smoothies, yogurt, and other drinks. And they also have a vanilla protein powder for muscle building, and also soft gels for on-the-go convenience. This is a powerful and super easy way to upgrade mitochondrial function, increase cellular energy, and improve muscle strength. If that sounds like a good plan to you, here's what you do to get on a MitoPure subscription. Visit TimelineNutrition.com. And right now, as a special offer for you Lifestylist listeners, you can use the code LUKE10 to get 10% off any 2, 4, or 12-month MitoPure plan at TimelineNutrition.com. When you started getting into your own journey of personal development uh, through yoga, meditation, and hypnosis, uh, did your kids or have your kids gravitated toward the work? Or was it one of those things that I'm going to rebel and I hate meditation because I'm Mm -hmm. 15 and I don't want to be like my parents? Um, Neither of them really have gotten into meditation like on a regular basis. Um, My daughter definitely practices yoga occasionally, not super routinely. Um, But they both, I think, lean towards a movement practice. Like my son's 15 and there's a whole like 15-year-old boy culture around like getting swole like we we tease him yeah. like <laughs> you, you gotta eat your eat your meat so you get your gains yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's kind of a joke in our house but it's a joke in our house too <laughs> between myself and allison i go to the gym like once a week and i'm like oh, i'm gonna get swole yeah yeah well apparently in our area there's like a big 
um, you know, my husband and I were calling it the black market for pre-workout. Like where teenage boys are like selling pre-workout to each other at oh, high, wow. in high school because their parents like won't let them use it. And it's not like an illegal substance, but you know, I'm like, this is bizarre. Yeah. But yeah. So anyhow, um, they have their own movement practices, which definitely tend to lean in the direction of like, you know, a little bit of personal development, I would say, and kind of not a spiritual side, but like there's a self-discipline aspect to it that I think plays into personal development. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't think neither of them are really like rebellious. We, we tend to be very, um, like open parents. Like we want them to be themselves, you know? And, um, so I think that that lends itself into their, their exploration and their, um, so you're not like if one of them messes up, you're not grounding them and punishing them with a yoga set. <laughs> like you have to do a 45 minute meditation today. Um, no. So around around that movement, I've um, noticed in a lot of the stuff that you do that um, your background in Pilates and yoga mm -hmm. instructing, obviously, and you have a studio. Um, there's a lot of uh, a big intersection between the mindfulness and meditation mm -hmm. and the movement. How does that work? Um, in in the sense, like, let me say, I just found your work mm -hmm. and I'm freaking out uh, about something in my life and my nervous system is all mm -hmm. jacked up and I want to calm down and I find one of your videos or podcasts, you know, yeah. what's, what's going to help me get back into my body and out of a stressed state and mm -hmm. how, what's your perspective on how those two meet? I think uh, they're beautifully intertwined for sure. And for me, um, I'm a very kinesthetic person. So m movement is like my entrance into meditation oh, always. You know, I can't just like come in from work and sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to meditate now. It just, that doesn't work for me. And for some people it does, but I need to like get out of my head and down into my body before I can really have a meditative experience. So um, like, yoga and Pilates are both I, what I would call like a mindful based movement where it's like you're, you're paying attention to what you're doing and your mind gives you the ability to make a change in your body. Um, <clears throat> and because they're both mindful based movement practices, they're like a gateway or an entrance into the practice of mindfulness. Um, but I think the reason why they are that way is that we just culturally, this is a generalization, but we like, we live in our head, right? We are trying to solve problems. We're trying to be rational and fix things. And it's all, it's all logical, rational, and it's not emotional. And when you can drop into your body, then you can more more accurately or more easily connect with your emotional state. Um, so that's, that would be my answer in terms of like why the movement components help with like mindfulness and meditation. How do you integrate um, 
breath mm. into your practice. I've seen that you have yeah. some breathing exercises. I haven't seen anything I would uh, label as like breath work, mm -hmm. you know, like more in, intense breath yeah. work. But what kind of breath practices do you teach? And yeah. do you have one now that you could share with us again? Oh, for sure. I, I, I kind of, I like to find applicable short practices that I can give the audience mm -hmm. where they could be like, cool, I'm going to try that next time I feel yeah. like I need to get back in my body or just get present because I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not feeling comfortable. Well, in terms of integrating breath with, with movement practices, that's basically what Pilates and yoga both do, right? It's like the breath is dictating the movement. It's keeping uh, the rhythm for you. Um, so that's how I would integrate it into movement. Um, and then in terms of like my hypnotherapy practice, I use breath as a tool to regulate the nervous system. So really simple exercises that anyone could do at any time, really. Um, one of my favorite things is humming on exhale. So like, actually I was doing this on my way over here um, because I was a little nervous, you know? Um, so I feel like the butterflies in my stomach and I'm like, okay, I can, I can manage this. I'm, you know, I'm an adult, I'm confident. I, I'm good at what I do. And, you know, you're talking to myself a little bit, mm -hmm. but then just deep breath in through the nose. And then on the exhale, you're making a humming noise and it's vibrating in your throat and it's um, interacting with the vagus nerve and allowing you to, or in this case, it was me, allowing me to drop into more of the rest and digest phase of the nervous system, as opposed to what I was really feeling was like fight, flight, freeze, that kind of um, anxious energy. Um, so that's one of my favorite practices. And, and actually, you'll hear it throughout our house at home, like all, all, everyone in the house does it at some point. And um, that's a really great reminder. You know, it brings me back to uh, the many years I was very committed to Kundalini yoga. Mm. And I never, uh, which is now sh shrouded in controversy because <laughs> the person that brought it here was apparently really creepy. But um, nonetheless, I would I would go to these classes. And I remember in the beginning, it, I mean, it was so. I mean, it was strange to me singing mantras mm -hmm. in a language that I didn't understand. And there were all kinds of different kind of humming yeah. and different ways of breathing and mudras and things you're doing with your hands. <laughs> and it's just like, if I would get caught up in my head, I would think like, this is so ridiculous. What is the purpose of this? Like who made this up? And mm -hmm. I think a lot of it probably was made up by this guy, Yogi Bhajan, because mm -hmm. um, there's no record of it in like a um, historical context, mm -hmm. you know, really. Um, but nonetheless, after those damn 90 minute classes, I was always in the best freaking mood. Yeah. And I have personally experienced that, whether, I mean, even just a humming sound or mm -hmm. singing mantra, yeah. that it it does really do something to your brain and your nervous system. That's, yeah. I mean, I'm sure science has some explanation for it now, but um, mm -hmm. it is strangely effective. So thank you for reminding me of that. And like vocal yeah. toning, yeah. You know, I've been to breathwork classes where... Um, there used to be this place in Manhattan called the Womb Center, W-O-O-M. And I think mm. they've since closed, but they did like a vocal toning, then pretty intense kind of holotropic mm. breath work where you're mm -hmm. on your back. And then they went into this beautiful sound bath and the mm. vocal toning, super awkward because you just, they just invite everyone to be like, 
um, oh, like whatever sound you want to make. And the whole oh. room's doing it. No one's really in key or in sync. <laughs> it's super weird. And the next thing you know, you're in yeah. this altered state and there's this resonance amongst mm. the other participants. And it's yeah. it's just one of those kind of woo-woo things that's not really explainable, but mm. has a discernible effect. Yeah. So that's a great takeaway. Yeah. I like that. So yeah. humming, guys, humming. on the exhale. Very yeah. cool. And uh, so not complicated. No. <laughs> like, I mean? It's free. It's not complicated. It's easy. You might feel a little awkward at first, but yeah. like my son gets the hiccup sometimes and he'll start doing humming breaths and like very quickly they just go away. That's you super know? cool. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for uh, illuminating that for yeah. us. Uh, I did interview a gentleman at one point whose name was Rich something. Forgive me, Rich. I forget his last name offhand, but I've got 400 episodes or something. <laughs> but uh, we did an episode about uh, Yoga Nidra. Mm. And I, I think I've done a couple classes over the years uh, of that. Is mm-hmm. that something you teach or have experience with? Could you break that down for us? Yeah. Yeah. I love um, Yoga Nidra. So I have a couple practices on the YouTube channel that you can listen to. Um, the sort of I don't know if it's a scientific statement or like if it's just hearsay, but they they say that it's one hour of yoga nidra is equivalent to four hours of deep sleep in terms of what, you know, the the nervous system response and the healing of your body. Um, So it's pretty simple. You get into a super like comfy, relaxed state um, and lots of like bolsters and blankets to make sure that you're not like holding yourself, right? You're being held in Mm -hmm. a way. Um, So you get into a comfortable position. And then there is a, um, like a sequence that you're going through uh, that takes you through um, breath and like a body scan and scan of thoughts. And there's lots of different components that could be, you know, taken into um, into the practice. It just depends on what the um, specific intention is. Um, but it gets you into a super relaxed state where you're like between sleeping and awake, where you might go in and out of like um, listening consciousness. Um, so you might feel like you're sleeping, but you're not actually like truly asleep, asleep. Do, have you heard people refer to it as the napping yoga? Is that is that a <laughs> they, thing? They'll say like yogic sleep. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 But, the couple of times I've done it, I really enjoyed it. That's probably my favorite state of consciousness mm-hmm. is that sort of mind asleep, body awake, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, which I always yeah. just blanket term like theta brain waves, mm-hmm. but I don't know that that's true. But yeah, um, yeah I think that's a very cool practice. Um, Super relaxing. Yeah, it is. So uh, let's see here. Where do I want to go with this? Well, Mm -hmm. I guess I want to get into um, actually one more thing on on meditation Mm -hmm. as you being someone who didn't come into it with (laughs) a great deal of enthusiasm and sort of learned how to access it through movement and stuff. What do you think are some of the biggest misconceptions and blocks around meditation for people that you know, have that meme in their head. Like mm-hmm. I tried meditating, I can't meditate or I'm not a meditator. Yeah. When I, I believe anyone has the capacity to meditate. Yeah. I think the biggest one is the idea that you're going to like stop your thoughts and you're going to have like a totally blank mind. Um, I think that that expectation will set you up for, <laughs> for failure because your for mind sure. just doesn't stop thinking. 
right? You might have what I would call like the gap, right? Between your thoughts, the space might get a little bit longer. There might be a little more silence. Um, and then over time, you might just get better at not following the thoughts into stories or um, judgments or, you know, wherever your mind will take you like, oh, I have to do that, um, that thing on my to-do list. And then, you know, minutes later, you realize you went through like 30 things on your to-do list where the practice is, you know, about starting over. You see, you recognize, okay, I had this thought. I had something on my to-do list that was me thinking. And then you come back to whatever your focal point is. And in the beginning, there might be like, I don't know, 40, 50 times of starting over again. And eventually with practice, you might go down to like, okay, I, I had to come back to my breath 10 times. And that's not to say that like the number of times that you have to start over is like an indicator of your success, but you know, you just get better at it. Like any, any skill, right? You do, you wouldn't expect to play the piano for the first time and be able to play Bach. You have to start at the beginning. You have to start with like, I need to learn the notes on the piano and then the scales and then, you know, all the, all the different practice skills that you, you acquire and, um, so like to expect like enlightenment the first time you sit down for, for meditation is, is not realistic and not. That's, that's a very good points. And I think when, when I started meditating somewhere, I picked up this false understanding of it, that it was mm -hmm. like stopping your mind from mm -hmm. thinking. And I found that to be really frustrating Yeah, because <laughs> as you said, I had a meditation teacher that framed it like this. He said, Luke, imagine lying there or sitting there and trying to make your heart not beat. Right. It's like the mind thinks that's what it does, you know? Right. So I learned this Vedic meditation where you, mm. you know, silently repeat a mantra and mm -hmm. you don't exert any effort uh, to not think at all. You just very gently nudge yourself back into yeah. the mantra. And I was like, ah, <laughs> okay. So if the mind wants to think, you just let it think. And then right. if you notice it's doing that, you just do this other thing. It's almost like a yeah. replacement. And then you do yeah. eventually start to find those gaps. So I think that's a, mm -hmm. that's a really important distinction. Yeah. Um, so we did this, uh, what would be called a hypnotherapy session? Mm -hmm. Okay. So <laughs> as I uh, alluded to in the beginning, so you come in, you start asking about what's going on in my life. We're, mm -hmm. we're talking about um, different uh, blocks or challenges that I want to overcome, however, mm -hmm. uh, for, of whatever magnitude, nothing too crazy going on in life right now, but there's yeah. always room for fine tuning. Mm -hmm. um, and then you're taking copious notes the whole time. <laughs> I take a lot of notes. Yeah. You're like <laughs> writing down everything I say and I'm kind of like, oh, where's this going to go later? <laughs> uh, then I, I, I lie down on the couch. I put my eye mask on and um, there wasn't... Um, like the hocus pocus element that you would think of like a stage hypnotist, right? right? Where they're like counting down or putting the <laughs> stopwatch in front of your face yeah. or like a lot of finger snapping and you're mm -hmm. going deeper, going mm -hmm. deeper. And now you're deep, you know, um, it was just kind of super chill, Yeah. but I did go into, um, you know, very relaxed state mm -hmm. where I could still hear you and I could still respond. And it was really interesting to see or experience subjectively that um, the answers 
to the questions that you asked me came very quickly yeah. and they were very clear and I didn't have to fish for them or ruminate on them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I intentionally did not yeah. do so. You know, I could have sat there and thought about it and yeah. kind of mentated. But that but, would defeat the purpose. <laughs> so when when you're sitting with someone, you do this mm-hmm. remotely too, right? I do, yeah. You can just, I imagine the same thing would happen if someone's on Zoom lying mm-hmm. down listening to you at home. Yep. Um, what are you doing? Like, how how are you, what's the mojo behind it that's getting one's mind to mm. calm down and give them access to the subconscious so you can go in and yeah. rearrange things? Mm, well, I'm not doing any rearranging. <laughs> <laughs> Brainwash me, please. <laughs> Let me just start with that. Um, but, I mean, it's essentially helping you to get your nervous system to see the signals of safety so that you can get into the rest and digest or the uh, parasympathetic state. And in that state, you have a greater access to your subconscious. So you can more easily communicate with and understand your subconscious. Um, And you know, you'll hear me say things like, let your conscious, logical thinking mind like rest and kind of be on the sidelines of the experience so that you can more easily access the the subconscious part of your mind. Um, so there's nothing like super fancy about it. It's just helping you to relax. You know, signals of safety would be like the feeling of the um, the support beneath you to to connect with the fact that you are, you know, laying on a couch being held, you're being supported, and it's okay to like mm, let down your guard is not really the right phrase, but like to to let go, to relax, to really allow the process to unfold as it will. Um, so yeah, nothing super fancy, just getting relaxed and using words and energy and, um, your own attention and focus to get you into that relaxed state. Did you have to practice, uh, your, uh, hypnotherapist voice you have a very like when i've listened to your your guided meditations and yeah. stuff i'm like man she's be, she's great at voiceovers you might have a second career in voiceovers <laughs> i mean did you have to put any because you, you're very good at it did you have to put any um kind of thought or effort into how you deliver what what you're saying Me, meaning yeah you're not stammering saying um like you know your words are very uh, economically mm. chosen and sparse and very direct. There's no mm. clutter there. That's my experience of you listening to your guided yeah. meditations. And also today, is that something, did you have to ferret out any kind of <laughs> nervousness or antsiness within you to just be like, I am the present voice that's going to take you there? Well, I appreciate that. Cause I do think I have worked on like the economy of words. Um, and sometimes I get a little wordy, but, um, I mean, I think experience, number one, has helped get to that point. But I would say that I tend to myself kind of drop into a meditative state or, you know, I'm not closing my eyes and just being, but I'm calm. I'm like, when I suggest for you to take a deep breath, I'm going to do the same thing myself because I need that, you know, 
just as much as you do. Because if I came to your session and I was all nervous and, you know, I was anxious, then you would feel that. And I definitely don't want you to feel that because that would be, you know, counterproductive. Um, so I guess a little bit of both. Like, I think I just naturally have kind of a nurturing personality. Um, but I also work to get myself into a calm, regulated state before. Here's a hot winter tip for you. It's called Organifi Gold. If you've ever had a golden latte, you know how bomb this type of herbal elixir tastes and feels. I've been on this stuff for years and have no plans of stopping anytime soon. It's got nine superfoods like turmeric, ginger, reishi mushrooms, and tons of other great stuff that support rest, relaxation, recovery, and repair. I blend mine up with warm water and either ghee or coconut oil. It's also low sugar, organic, and super calming when you need to get your chill on. It's like a warm dessert, except it's actually really good for you. Organifi Gold is, of course, completely organic. It's also gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, vegan, and of course, thank God, non-GMO. So if you're looking for an alternative to sweets and coffee late in the day or at night, Organifi Gold is the ticket. You can get your gold over at Organifi.com slash lifestylist. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I, Organifi with an I. Organifi.com slash lifestylist. And they are going to give you 20% off anything in the store if you use the code LIFESTYLIST. Again, that's Organifi.com slash LIFESTYLIST, and the code is LIFESTYLIST. Do you ever have anyone fall asleep when you're doing a hypnosis session? Um, I haven't had anyone fall asleep in a hypnosis session because we're dialoguing, right? I'm going to be asking you questions. Um, but I definitely all the time. And like, if I do a, a guided yoga nidra practice, like with a group of people uh, all the time <laughs> or like a group hypnosis, it happens. Like you'll hear yeah. like kind of like a, a little bit of a snore, like from different sides of the room. Um, but you know, you just get used to walking over to towards that person and like speaking a tiny bit louder. Right. <laughs> so they get a little like nudge and going, you're snoring. <laughs> Um, I think when some people think about hypnosis, again, going back to that kind of carnival mm, sideshow yeah. cruise ship, I think that's the first time I saw hypnosis mm. on a cruise ship. And it's, you know, they put the guy, they ask his permission, he's up mm. on stage, he goes under and they're like, they trick him into, well, I don't know, trick him, but um, make him think he's a monkey or something yeah. crazy or ridiculous or that he has no clothes on in front yeah. of the crowd and and this kind <laughs> of stuff. And I, um, I think some people are... Uh, yeah afraid of being vulnerable or impressionable or that something could be done against their will Mm -hmm. or something like that so what's the difference between the sort of trusted safety of true hypnotherapy Mm -hmm. where the intention is not to entertain folks um, with bells and whistles but really to get in and help them to to break free of something they're working on well i well stage hypnosis is meant for entertainment and that's designed that way um and is some of it legit? I mean, well, your your mind will never really well. It will never take a suggestion that you don't agree with. Okay. So, in stage hypnosis, the hypnotist is trained to be able to look for cues for suggestibility, and the people who get up on stage want to 
be part of the entertainment, right? And they and a hypnotist can see that and understand and, and see those signals. Um, so they wouldn't get up on stage without like being willing to right. act like a monkey. <laughs> right, right. Um, which is the same is true in a session that's like one-on-one. I you could never receive suggestions from me that you didn't believe and want. Like I've done group hypnosis where it's about healing and there are men and women in the room. And so like I'll, I'll ask for in a group setting, I'll ask for people's desired uh, affirmations or suggestions that they want to hear. So like, what do you want to heal from? And you might have a woman who is like, you know, I want support with fertility. And if a man hears that, you know, huh. right. Like it's, it's just not going to be relevant to them. Or right. if, you know, a man, come, or a man could be like, I could help you out with that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe they meet and they get together and that's that, that they're manifesting fertility. Stranger things have happened. Uh, yeah, exactly. But like a, a woman would hear something relevant to a man and it would be not absorbed. It would be like, they would just not even hear it even. So, your mind can't take suggestions that you don't believe, right? So if someone came to me and said, uh, can you work with my husband? I want him to quit smoking. Well, my answer would be, does he want to quit smoking? Because if the answer is no, then no, I can't help him, <laughs> right? Like yeah, he has to want to quit smoking for me to be able to use hypnosis to help him. Well, sure. when we were doing our session today, um, even though I was in kind of a foggy, relaxed state, mm. I was still very aware and cognizant of everything you said. Right. You know, it wasn't like I was in some dream state and yeah. was lost my faculties or something, right? <laughs> yeah. I was just there enough to be able to, oh, she asked this question. Mm -hmm. Let me bing, let me bring up the answer. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I didn't get any sense that like I was out of control or that. Yeah. And all those you know, notes that I was taking were. Yeah your words, your desires, what you want to feel and the life that you want to, you know, make happen and manifest. And so I'm literally saying your words back to you. And that's part of the reason why it's so powerful to have a personalized session, because if I were to make a generic recording, which I have plenty of on YouTube, it's generic. It's not like, you know, the feeling in like if you were to describe um uh like what confidence feels like to you it might sound and feel very different than how i might describe it so when you hear those words back in your personalized recording they they mean more they resonate with you and your energy more than if i were to try to describe it based on my experience um, and that's why, you know, these personalized sessions are so powerful. How often in your work with people one-on-one -on -one are they looking to overcome a physical limitation or a persistent pain or disease or something like that? Um, I think it's probably a smaller percentage than some of the other issues. Like I, I mean, maybe this is just because this is what I love to do. This, these are the people that come to me, but I love to work with people that have 
um, like emotional blocks, whether it's around anxiety or depression or confidence or money, um, like they're not a, a tangible or um, measurable, you know, where mm-hmm. like I have worked with people that they're dealing with cancer or other um one woman I worked with recently, she was struggling with some chronic illness around um, like histamine. Like she would have allergic reactions to everything. Um, and actually I worked with another man who had a similar response, but his was more around like temperature. But it was kind of like he was almost allergic to air conditioning. Um but yeah, so Tell that's... Tell them not to move to Texas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, you're cured. <laughs> you're cured. Um, so like I do work with people around um, like medical issues, physiological issues, but more often I would say a bigger percentage of my practice is around more of the emotional issues. But yeah, yeah. again, that might just be because that's what I really like to work with. Yeah, well, I, I ask because um, I, I, I wonder in my own life and just people that I know that have some sort of chronic pain or chronic Mm. issue um, and it's impossible to quantify and know for sure but Mm. how much of it is the mind right how much of it is the subconscious and limiting beliefs or Mm -hmm. you know whatever is causing that to manifest and how much is actually just genetic or environmental Mm. you know because I know that trauma for example can really express itself yeah. And all sorts of physical issues. And then people heal their trauma, however they go about doing so. And mm-hmm. magically that physical symptom goes away. You know, it's like yeah. your body's this like tape recorder, right? That just <laughs> it holds records on. all the things, you know, and yeah. I've had sort of um, a spontaneous healings where I was working on something uh, emotionally and then mm-hmm. I was like, oh, traced it back to something that's been going on physically. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's all interconnected, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, there's a book that's the body keeps, body the, keeps score. the score yeah like you know so many of my guests <laughs> mention that book and uh, and i'm always like oh yeah that book just because i've heard the you name heard it so many i think times. i need to read it and if the yeah. author's around i need to track them down and interview yeah. that person because it seems to be a very influential book yeah yeah i mean i think it's very true like you have to feel what's going on in order to heal it right you you can't heal what you don't actually experience you have a lot of meditations around um getting restorative sleep like Mm. things that help people fall asleep and stay asleep and stuff um do you work with people that have sleep issues with hypnosis yeah i imagine that's probably yeah something common very common oh yeah i mean i don't know if it's just the most needed topic that is on our our channel but i mean like we have videos out there that are sleep recordings that are i don't know like six seven million views it's like people need help sleeping wow especially over the last two years you know like stress level mental health you know it's all like been skyrocketing and like we have i don't know what the statistics are but it definitely higher percentage of mental health issues over the last two years than ever before Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. people need help sleeping do you think yeah. hi- hypnosis is the way that you best help people with that or the guided meditations that actually facilitate you falling asleep as you listen to them? Well, I mean, I think that all of my guided meditations, well, not all of them, 
but a good percentage of them have um, like roots in hypnosis, right? I mean, the, the state of mind is the same. Like we get to um, certain brainwave states and you could you could categorize it as meditation or hypnosis. Um, the difference is that there's, like I said earlier, like you have a goal. You have something that you're you're doing um, in hypnosis, mm-hmm. right? We're implanting, for lack of a better word, some affirmations or uh, suggestions, statements of of belief. Um, so that's a little different than a state of meditation. But um, I think probably most of the sleep recordings out there have some components or techniques of hypnosis in it. In terms of mm-hmm. um, trauma as an underlying issue, which is something mm-hmm. I'm just discovering more about in my own life mm-hmm. and uh, and in the work that I do here, it's yeah. just like, <laughs> it's the elephant in the room for so many people's mm-hmm. problems, whether emotional, physical, spiritual. Um, is it common that as you work with clients in hypnosis that things come up, heavy things come up because you're kind of opening the subconscious and they're willingly allowing themselves to look deeper? Is yeah. that uh, is that a common occurrence? And, and how do you kind of hold that with people? Yeah, um, I would say that it comes up a lot for sure. And, you know, trauma is relative to the person. So what we do in hypnosis is obviously you're not reliving the experience. You're reviewing it. And I always say like, there's a layer of separation in the processing of it. And the work is around changing the interpretation of the event or changing the relationship with the event. And that's what allows you to kind of release the hold of the trauma on the person, like as if they're still in that state of trauma so that your nervous system can kind of recalibrate and you can uh, respond more presently as opposed to if you have a trigger, it's almost like you're responding as if you're still in that trauma. Right. Right. So you need to be able to recalibrate or uh, change your interpretation, change your relationship with that experience. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you just think about um, just the term PTSD, I was thinking Mm -hmm. about this the other day, post-traumatic, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you have the event, Mm -hmm. which you could sort of couch as arbitrary from a certain Mm -hmm. perspective, but then it's how you hold that event mm-hmm. after the post part. It's where you yes. really get hurt, right? And the yeah. kind of support you have or lack, mm-hmm. the the meaning that you create around that experience. Yeah. So like the difference between being in a brutal car accident and being subject to um, physical violence, right? They're both acts of physical violence, but I would assume the meaning one creates around the car accident mm-hmm. is going to have much different repercussions and after effects than yeah. an act of physical violence, right? Well, but ultimately, like the same things happening to your body, but your 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 psyche is holding that in a different yeah. way, and afterward, in the processing of that, is where that mm-hmm. kind of re-traumatizing can happen, right? Yeah. But interestingly enough, like you're using this example of a of a car accident, you could have 
one person or two two different people have the same exact experience and what they do with it after that event might be vastly different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one person could go down the route of like living in the state of fear because of that event. It, that event could become traumatic for them because of their interpretation of it, their experience around it. Whereas the same person or the other person who has the same event might be able to get over it very quickly and then never think about it again. You know, same exact event, two different people, two different routes um, because of how they interpret that Mm -hmm. same event. So in hypnosis, you have the opportunity not to relive it and be re-traumatized, but to recontextualize it and change Mm -hmm. your perspective on it. Yeah. And you could say, like, if we keep using the, the experience of this car accident, well, that person who has, you know, what you might say is PTSD or how they respond to it after the event, they might think that like safety is just not available at all. Like they might live in a constant state of fear of their, of their like life. So if we can help that person to like reinterpret like that was a, a one-time thing. You know, how many times do you go in a car without having a car accident and so forth and help them to create new uh, new beliefs around it, new, mm, new beliefs about themselves in the world mm-hmm. around that experience. Then they can, you know, let go of the the traumatic. Yeah, we did some of that. We did some of that today. I mean, not around trauma, but just... Mm-hmm. You took me back to different touch points. Well, yeah. what age were you when you felt like this or had this belief system start to mm-hmm. develop? And um, yeah, and I, I remember kind of going back into it and just the adult me now mm-hmm. going, that's not actually true. <laughs> like right. Whatever it was that I was believing at right. 10. Right. It's like, <laughs> no, there's no empirical evidence to support that at all. Right. It was just like a, a story of meaning that was mm-hmm. made up at the time, but it still mm-hmm. informed you know, behaviors and and, um, feelings today, you know, so it's really interesting how the subconscious mind works like that. Super cool stuff. Yeah. Have you heard of colostrum? Well, it's been one of my top superfoods for the past decade. It's likely one of the best tasting and definitely most nutrient dense and novel foods on the planet. My personal colostrum of choice has always been surthrival. They sent me their three new flavors of colostrum this week, and of course I immediately opened all three jugs and made a drink of each with only spring water as the base, and they were insanely good. Just rich, creamy, delicious. I'm now, of course, obsessed. The new flavors are enhanced with organic cacao powder, strawberry juice powder, and organic vanilla. And I gotta say, even their plain, unflavored colostrum was already addictively delicious, so the new flavors are, for me, just an added bonus. What I like about colostrum, in addition to it being such a delicious ingredient in just about any smoothie you can dream of, is that it also provides protein and immune factors in their natural whole food form. So much so, in fact, that it's often referred to as immune milk. And for those of you that like studies, the studies have shown that colostrum is three times more powerful than the vaccine against flu virus. So this might just be nature's best pandemic prevention supplement. Plus, it also aids digestion and is often used in cases of leaky gut, IBS, Crohn's, and ulcerative colitis. 
and Surthrival has set the standard for the highest quality USA-sourced grass-fed colostrum available. You can think of Surthrival colostrum as a supercharged protein powder, but more functional and sophisticated. But not so sophisticated that kids won't eat it. In fact, kids actually love it. And when I have one, this will likely be the first food they eat after mom's milk. You can get your colostrum now at surthrival.com and use the code LUKE for 10% off your order. That's S-U-R-T-H-R-I-V-A-L. Surthrival, like survive and thrive at the same time. Surthrival.com. And again, the code is Luke. Thank you for sharing all of this. Yeah, um, my so, pleasure. As I said, um, you work with clients mm-hmm. uh, on your own. I saw online, you can like book a session. What does that look like? How does it work? Um, how can people find that that want to have the experience that I had today? Sure. Well, you can book a session through our website, mindfulmovement.com. And I did create a code with the, with your name, Luke Story. Word. So, yeah. Okay. So, so they... anyone listening gets 15% off. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So, so mind, is it the mindful movement? The mindfulmovement.com yeah. is where you can find like okay. where you can, everything is on that website. Like all yeah. of our videos and podcasts and courses and where you can book a session. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. So that's there. And then if they use the code Luke story, they can get 15% off with for a session. Sessions with yeah. you. Cool. Yep. Thank you for that. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, my pleasure. I love when guests come on and they like <laughs> hook it up for the audience. You yeah. Know? Well, and also like I was just talking to my husband about this, that like I really, I feel like I don't ever want finances to be the reason that someone can't get help. Right. So I've, I've sort of given scholarships or discounts to people because it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, money can be an issue. So I don't want that ever to be an issue. So, you know, I give, I'll give a discount or if someone needs more than that, just reach out to me for sure. Um, but yeah, so in terms of the process, you, you know, purchase a session and then super easy. You just look at the calendar. You can book your own appointment. Um, it's about two hours. And um, the first half of it is really all just conversation. Like I get to know you. I understand the triggers of whatever the issue are that you're experiencing. Um, I get a little backstory in terms of childhood, upbringing, dynamics, family relationships. Um, and then the part that I really love to talk about is what you, what you want. Right. So like if I could make all of your dreams come true, you know, how would you feel in this dream life? What would you be doing? What would you be, you know, experiencing? Um, and that that conversation becomes your personalized recording. And then we go into the session, which is usually like an hour long, um, give or take. And we'll look at um, well, first, I'll help you to get into that relaxed state that we were talking about. And then We'll look at some scenes from your past, some events that might have caused you to form a belief about yourself, that that belief is now kind of running the show in the subconscious background, um, and it's causing whatever the issue is that you're coming to me with. I think that's an important distinction with the the positioning of the language, mm-hmm. where there were times when we were doing kind of the, the intake portion of it, mm-hmm. and... I'm like, well, I don't want this and I don't want that. And I, I want to get rid of this and get rid of that. And you're yeah. like, what do you want though? Like, <laughs> it's what? usually harder to figure that out. Yeah. It took a little, I mean, not too much effort, but I was like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I am kind of focusing on what I don't mm-hmm. want. Right. Yeah. Which is kind of giving that more 
energy. Yeah. Well, and, and it's okay to like go through that process of, you know, I want less stress. I want less struggle. Okay. Well, if you don't have the stress and the struggle, then what would be in its place? Like, what would you be feeling? What would you be experiencing? And, you know, that's why I'm here to ask you lots of questions. And Well, when we're in the session though, I mean, granted, I wasn't totally all there, <laughs> but I think almost everything you said or the inquiries that you were presenting mm-hmm. to me were on the flip side of that, mm. a- about the part that you do want. Yeah. It wasn't like, Luke, you want to, you know, get rid of your fear or whatever, you know, you were, it was like, yeah, and we're going to have confidence. Mm -hmm. It was like all of those positive. Yeah. Yeah. Because the inverse of all those words, that's what you're focusing on. That's what you want. And we know that the mind loves what's familiar and it does well with repetition. So when you are reminding yourself on a regular basis that you're confident and you're, you know, creative or whatever the qualities are that you want um it's kind of like you're you're tending to the garden of your mind and you're you know you you need to feed the plants to keep them alive and that's what we're doing with the recording is you're listening to the recording you know on a regular basis you're having repetition and familiarity with those new beliefs um, but if I put in there, you know, what you don't want, then that's what you'd be focusing on. <laughs> right. right. Womp, womp. Yeah. <laughs> when when you record the one-on-one sessions that mm-hmm. you do with people, what's your recommendation in terms of how often they listen back to mm-hmm. it um, and and for how long? I, back in LA, I was doing some um, sessions and I found it to be really useful. I mm-hmm. just kind of replaced my meditation with it mm-hmm. for a period of time. I would yeah. fall asleep. I would wait till I was very impressionable, right? Mm-hmm. And I would fall asleep to it or I'd listen mm-hmm. to it first thing in the morning. And I think it was, I think it helped kind of lock it in. What do you, yeah. what do you do in terms of working with people with that? Well, definitely I recommend every day if possible. Although, you know, like I, I know life happens, so it's not like you're going to get a, you know, a smack on the hand if you don't, if you miss it or whatever. Um, but every day if possible. And then I usually use 21 days and that's kind of a general recommendation because that's what they, you know, the studies have shown it takes 21 days to form a new habit. Oh, right. right. Uh, But like, if you look at the studies, you know, it's a vast difference from one end of the spectrum to the other. And they're just taking, you know, 21 days is the average. So I would start there and then my recommendation is always to just do what's best for you. So part of this process is understanding yourself and uh, forming a a better internal relationship with yourself. So if that process is, you know, going well, then you'll know like, okay, it's not quite fully settled in or fully sunken in. Um, I need to keep listening to this or, you know, you listen for 21 days, you feel great. And then two weeks later, you're like, oh, I'm starting to backslide a little. And you have the recording forever. So that would be a good opportunity to, you know, pull it out and listen to it again. I like that as a benchmark though, you know, Mm -hmm. like having a set time rather than just, hey, yeah, listen to it here and there when you feel like it. I know for me, it's like, if I did a session with you and you're like, all right, Luke, (laughs) I encourage you strongly to yeah. do this for 21 days. I'm probably going to put on my yeah. calendar or habituate myself to it yeah. and, and get it done. So I think that's really yeah. um, good way to do it. And also it's like you're sending a message to yourself that like I'm, I'm worthy of doing the work to get to this place that I desire. I'm worthy of spending, you know, 20 minutes, 15 minutes a day 
taking care of myself. So yeah. I think that's important too. Yeah, there's uh, it's it's an affirmative action yeah. for oneself. <laughs> uh, I got one more question for you. Who have been three teachers or teachings mm. that have influenced your life and your work? Well, um, I would say the first like book that I read that really like pushed me into the self-development or personal development um, was, it's called um, Emotional Chaos to Clarity. The author is Philip Moffat. Um, he, I think he works out in like Spirit Rock in, in California. Um, but, you know, really simple stuff that were, it was easy to implement mm-hmm. and like understand uh, and I think I've read that book like four or five times um, just because it, it just resonated with me. You know, sometimes you, you just need a certain teacher, right? <laughs> like all of these totally. things have been said over and over again for hundreds of years, but like the way that he presented them was really perfect for me at the time. Um, so that was one of the early books that I read that was really useful for me to kind of go down that route. Um, my, my children are always teachers still <laughs> like my, my daughter's 18 and, you know, I'm thinking, I think about how I was at 18. Like I just met last, my husband now when I turned 18 and I'm just like fascinated by how confident she is and open and like just willing to live and receive and connect. Um, and it's just really beautiful. And, you know, when I find resisting, when I find myself resisting with my children, I'm like, okay, what's going on here? You know, I, I have to step back and, um, like check in with myself before I go interact with them on the topic. Like if she does something, like she just went out with a guy recently and I was like, Oh, uh, you know, <laughs> oh boy, right. Like <laughs> I start to have a response and I'm, and I have to like check in and be like, okay, she's 18 years old. She's a grown up in a way. And like, this is good for her to interact with other people, her age and like how have, have practice in relationships. And, um, so I definitely think I've learned a ton and still continue to learn from my children and, um, you know, my experiences with them and watching their experiences as they grow up. And, um, so yeah, that would be probably my biggest teachers. Awesome. Well, you have two kids, so that counts for two. (laughs) So that that makes, if we're technically speaking, that's three. Thank you. Yeah. And, and they're very different too. Like I have a, you know, a daughter and a son and, uh, and they're very different. I hear (laughs) that a lot. I learn a lot from different, different things from each of them. All my, I think almost Everyone I know has Mm. kids. I can't think of anyone without kids. And they all say that same thing. (laughs) One of my friends has six kids and they're like, each one is vastly different Mm. from all the others. I'm like, how many can you have? And they still come out different, (laughs) you know? I love that. Well, thank you so much for uh, making the time to come sit with me today. And thank you for the session. It was really awesome. And um, I can't wait to kind of see how that begins to unfold. I felt like we were pretty focused and and on point today, you know? Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. we started out, I was like, well, I got some foot pain and we just <laughs> kind of moved past that and, you know, got yeah. a bit deeper. Um, so I'm well, I think it's important to bring all of the things to the table and then assess like what, yeah. what needs your attention the most. And that's usually how I, how I proceed. And I think we found it. So thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, so the mindful movement.com is where they can yeah. find you. Uh, what about social media plugs and any, anywhere else where we can find um, your stuff? I mean, YouTube, we have lots of things the going Bohemoth on. The YouTube channel you've created? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I started to move a lot of like what I might put on Instagram over onto YouTube also, um, just cause that's where, you know, the majority of our audience is. And, yeah. um, I don't know. I might have to just lay off the other social media platforms because it's a lot I know. <laughs> to be everywhere. <laughs> well, you did something super smart and like see what's working, how you're reaching people and just yeah. focus on that. I yeah. mean, that's, that's what I do with the podcast. Yeah. It seems to be the thing I enjoy the most. So that's the lane I picked and I just mm -hmm. kind of keep charging ahead. Yeah. Come what will. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. As they say in Hollywood, that's a wrap, my friends. Now is time for the wrap party. On to next week's episode. Let's keep it moving. Number 400. There's got to be some numerology magic in that. I don't know. When I just read that number 400, it sounds big. It sounds important. And next week's episode most certainly is. It's called Solving the Microdosing Mystery and the Third Wave of Psychedelics with Paul Austin from the company Third Wave. Now, I've been getting so many questions about people tiptoeing uh, through their curiosity, wanting to explore specifically the world of microdosing. And one of the problems with that particular practice is, of course, access. Many people live in communities and cultures or uh, different geographic locations where that seems to be an impossibility. And Paul has made it really his life's work to educate people about the safe hear that word safe there's an asterisk there safe and effective use of psychedelics whether macro or microdosing so um, the third wave project that he's created is absolutely incredible for doing just that and that's what we're going to talk about next week so if you want a balanced sane conversation about the emerging well actually re-emerging field of psychedelic therapy and the um, ceremonial and clinical use of these incredible medicines. Next week's episode number 400 is for you. Okay, before I leave you, uh, I'm going to ask you a question. Did you know that I recently created my very own blue blocking eyewear line? Yep, I finally did. It took me about a year to get this thing off the ground, and I am super stoked about it, so I want to share it with you. You can find prescription, readers, and regular frames at the following website gildedbylukestory.com. That's G-I-L-D-E-D, gildedbylukestory.com. Listen, man, uh, toxic junk blue light is a huge problem, and part of my mission is to solve it with style. So get over to gildedbylukestory.com and grab yourself a pair. I'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.